Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us on our YouTube and everywhere else that you listen. We're going to have some more interesting stuff on that YouTube channel. Just keep your eye out for it, everybody. And as always, we talk judging in MMA, so make sure you brush up on the criteria. And what a weekend for that criteria it was, my friend. Hey. Got a bit of a workout, didn't it? We did. did. Busy show. I mean, that that perfect card we were looking for reared its head, huh? Yeah. This, uh... (laughs) This, this, that was not, no, but it provided some very interesting scoring that we're going to get into in just a little bit. But before we do, some brief thoughts on the UFC on ABC main event from Jacksonville with Ilya Tapori, of course, getting the clear, impressive victory over recent interim featherweight title challenger Josh Emmett. Looked super great. He looked, he looked fantastic. I think a lot of people saw this coming, but maybe not to this degree. Over the five, over the course of the five rounds, because it was it was a it was an entertaining fight, not a particularly close one, no. especially as it went on. No, it wasn't uh, entertaining. But the questions that I have for you, I guess it's one question encapsulated with a few here is what should be the plan for the 145 pound title picture here? Because now we've got Toporia looks like he is just about as clear as it gets for the next title challenger at 145. But should he wait for Volkanovsky? Or should he take another fight? Should he wait and see how it goes? Because if, of course, Yair beats Volkanovski in two weeks, where does that leave us? Does it leave us with a rematch there? Or does it open the door for Max Holloway to step in against Yair? I mean, it kind of changes everything up. So that, I guess maybe maybe I'm asking too prematurely. But what, if it was up to you, what would you do? I'm assuming Yair doesn't win. I, I would go with Taporia next. Okay. So Because if Yair wins... You have to give him the immediate immediate rematch. So, I think uh, I think you have to. So. Volkanovski's had the title too long. I think he uh-huh. he's been a dominant champion and an active champion, especially in recent. I know you weren't as satisfied with his activity uh, earlier. I think he's been much more active later or up yeah. Late. He's peasing me a little bit. <laughs> well, good thing he's he's finally yeah. getting the uh, the Dan Urban mm-hmm. uh, acknowledgement here. Yeah. What about Holloway though? I mean, where is it? Should he be just he's... moving on to fifty five or? I mean, I'd love to. Not that he had anything to do with this weekend, but just the, on the thought. I would. Holloway's just that guy that beats everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of does ruin things for a lot of guys, right? So it's like, if I'm Tapori, I'm like, you know what? No, I'm, I'm, well, I will not take that fight for Holloway. If I have to wait longer, I'll just wait. I think I think he's probably smart to just get the title shot. Do any can. Because he looked really good here. It was a big spot. Headlining an ABC card. Yeah. So what do you do with Holloway? I mean, it just opens up a lot of questions. What's Holloway do next? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> But, I mean, nonetheless, Topuria, I think, finally did settle that, okay, who who really ought to be next? I think we're, we're feeling very good here. Is there anyone else who even comes to mind? You kind of have to discount Holloway, so. Holloway's out until Topuria, until Volk, if he beats Topuria, then obviously, you know what? All right, Max. If Volkanovski has moved on, there you then, go, Max. then maybe, yeah. Go one more time. Because just imagine, Holloway finally moves up to 55. Volkanovski's like, you know what, I'm done at 45. I want to go to 55 now. Full time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tricky situation. But yeah, I don't think we don't have to exhaust that topic too much because we've got some very on brand talking points for you guys. A lot of judging. Lots of it. We're we're gonna focus specifically on what happened in the UFC in Jacksonville. 
uh, because there were a lot of rounds. Uh, we were not really going to get much into PFL uh, at all. We'll have a little bit later, but I can give you the unanimity report because why not, right? Got to get that out there. Jacksonville, UFC, 17 out of the 29 rounds were unanimous, only a 58.6% rate. So not not the most sterling of numbers coming off of a very strong weekend from three different corners of the country. So mm-hmm. these things happen. Everything kind of balances out in the end. Uh, there is uh, There was a 9-8 split on there. And good Lord, an 8-7 split. <laughs> what? It's <laughs> so crazy to write. I couldn't believe it. I'm, I was, uh, you know, I was following along with the card from the wedding that I was attending in Vermont this weekend. I was up there uh, having poutine and waffles and all sorts maple of maple syrup. Maple, oh yeah, a lot of maple syrup right. on my on my uh, French toast. But uh, we, I was at the <laughs> wedding at this point as this fight was going, on, as this title fight was going on, and I see, oh yeah, okay, he won big, and I saw, oh. 50-42, I texted you 50-42, I was, mm-hmm. I was stunned, and then I looked at the card, and it was like, there's a 10-7! I was, because originally, before I got to see the card, I was like, alright, which three rounds are potential eights here? And I was struggling to find one. And I had no idea, yeah. Outside of round four. Um, but yeah, we, we got a 10-7 in there, so. And we will debate. And another 10-8. We will have to discuss <laughs> that one, of course, uh, in just a moment. Again, the unanimity report, just to finish it out here, because PFL was in action in Georgia. Final leg of their regular season, uh, PFL 6, it was 14 out of 20 rounds were unanimous, so 70%. That's just about the number, right? 70, 72-ish percent. There was an 8-9 an split there. Again, we're not really going to get into the the contested rounds from PFL, though. It's just something we decided to skip over entirely uh, in lieu of uh, going all in on UFC and all of its rounds, especially, again, there's an 8-7 split. 8-7, man. Oof. So, Oof. Very interesting times. Haven't had one in three years. Not in the UFC, anyway. Exciting. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> so we obviously we'll lead off with that fight with with uh, Toporia and uh, Josh Emmett. The scorecards from that one: fifty forty two. Like like I said, that came from Chris Lee. A fifty forty four from Sal D'Amato, and a forty nine forty five from Eric Colon. We got three rounds in here, mm-hmm. and they all are on the gamut. We got a you know who who won the round. We got an eight nine, and we got an eight seven. Let's start with round one. That we're just figuring out who won the round for. So what happens in this round? Yeah, Emmett came out really aggressive, throwing a lot of punches early, a lot of volume. I think a lot of these early punches are being blocked, a lot of gloves being hit. Uh, Toporia finally starts, you know, throwing some of his own back, being very efficient. Maybe maybe not the highest of volume, but I think he's definitely landing harder and cleaner. I like this round for Toporia. I think he's just kind of a step ahead. Uh, Emmett got some shots through. But I like it for Toporia 10-9. Yeah, I felt good with Toporia here, but yeah, I mean, there's, you can make a case, I think. I think yeah. it's it's certainly there, but I do feel good about the this round, so I'm going to side with the majority, including yourself, with Toporia. So that was uh, Judges D'Amato and Lee had it for Toporia. Eric Colon is the only judge on this card who's, uh, on this fight, who saw any of the rounds potentially for Emmett. But this is the one. I think this would be the one mm. that if you're going to see anyway, it would be this one, so... Mm. That's all right. Skipping ahead, though, to round three. This is our 8-9 split. So why are we talking about it like that? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, let's hear honest. what happened anyway. But, let's uh, hear the breakdown. Emmett's eye is swollen purple and shut, uh, bloodied up. It's not going to see very well there, but Cotton. But a lot of that damage occurred because of round two. 
uh, Emmett is landing a few shots. He's just behind. Tapori is a step ahead, and he, you know he's smacking him pretty good. Uh, it's a competitive round, but I do think it's it's quite clear that Tapori won this round. I don't think it reaches a 10-8 level. Yeah, I, I just felt like this was like a clear 10-9. I don't even feel like this was necessarily a 10-8.5. Yeah, I, I thought I think it was just a, a really good 9. I think it's a competitive round. Yeah. Just clear for one fighter. Especially later on. There, mm. There's some moments there from Emmett. Yeah, where he looked like he got a little bit of signs of life in there, and it just, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really see a great eight argument here. Did you see his face today? No, not today. Awful. Was Sunday, no. Awful. It didn't look great <laughs> yesterday either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure his mother still loves him. Yeah. Yeah, they do that. <laughs> no, I didn't see, though. I, I, I'll have to look that up later. Maybe, maybe I'll look it up during the show in a bit. But we've got to focus on these rounds here, because we really got to get to the most intriguing round of all, round four. Our 8-7 split. We haven't had one of these in three years, like I said. What, what's what's happening in this round? Early Taporia's jab. It's kind of like he's just jabbing on him. And these are stiff jabs while Emmett is swinging wildly, missing. I think he, do, I think he does connect a couple, a couple with a couple of them, but Taporia's just, just whacking him up here. Ends up dropping him. Taporia swarms, landing some shots, looking for a finish. Uh, Emmett's able to survive. Gets back to his feet, but, you know, he falls back down. This is weird how he kind of falls. I don't know if he got hit by anything, but he kind of just falls back down. Well, his leg had get... been kind of beat up a oh, bit, yeah, too, right? That, that could be. So he, he goes down again, and Tapori just gets on top and mounts him and just punches him till the bell rings. Big, big damage in this round. Big round. By the end. By the end. Yeah. It took a little bit for it to get really there. Big damage. Slow burn into a roaring flame. Uh, I just have a 10-8 here. I think it's a strong, solid 10-8 is the score. It's a great eight. I think it's a great eight. I I like seeing sevens. Don't get me wrong. I would love it if the criteria re- was reworked, and we talked about this ad yeah. nauseum. I'd love it if the criteria was reworked so that a round like this is supposed to be a 10-7, and that's just everybody looks at this and they say, well, that's a seven, and there's not even debate. I just don't think we're there based on the criteria, based on the way we were taught to implement the criteria at ABC. I don't see overwhelming all three Ds. I don't see overwhelming, you know, that probably gets to overwhelming damage near the end. I don't know if it quite gets there. It's really close. If not, it depends depends on what overwhelming is, I guess, right? But the other two Ds, I think, are more the issue. We don't really have overwhelming duration because it's not like this was a bell-to-bell beatdown by any stretch. No. And I don't think we have an overwhelming outclassing in the striking slash grappling departments here. I think it's, you know, I think there's a solid edge there. I think it's very good. Uh, yeah, I, do, I, I see an eight. That's all it is. I just see an eight. eight. Eight's a score. I do think it's big damage. Uh, this, this is the round that... Do you think it's seven level damage? Just damage. Um, I think we, we might be there. I think it's, pro- it's yeah. possible, but I think yeah. you'd probably still innovated. I, I would love to hear what a judge thought because they're the ones who kind of set He's the bar. You know what? Maybe not because here's the thing. Never am I feeling like, you know, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. Type of beat down. Yeah, you never had that. I never had that. So maybe, I mean, maybe it's close there, but I don't know. To kind of recap, for those of you who either did listen and had forgotten or maybe who had missed it the first time, but Dan and I did an episode at the beginning of the year where we just looked at high, you know, unanimous eights and rounds that included a 10-7 in the UFC since 2016, right? The ones that we know about. Bunch of rounds. We only came up with five that we thought were 10-7s. Those were uh, Rick Glenn against Gavin Tucker, round three. Max Holloway against Brian Ortega, round four. 
Hamzat Shemaev versus John Phillips round one. All those got a seven. And then the two that we had that were all unanimous eighths at the time that we thought actually looked like sevens. Glover Teixeira against Anthony Lionheart-Smith, round three. And Eliseo Zaleski Dos Santos against Benoit Saint-Denis, round two. Those were our five. We only had five. I did not see a round that measured up to those. No. We looked into this a lot this year. It's kind of fresher in our memory. I just don't see it. And the mo- the closest comp round that I could come up with for this round, and it's still very different. There's only so many rounds, right? Um, the closest comp round that I came up with is uh, Khalid Mertzazaliyev, who got one ten seven scorecard against CB Dalloway a bunch of years back. And that's a different case, too, because I think we had at the very end of that and oh my god, stop the fight level damage by yeah. the end of that round. It just didn't approach that here. No. So I don't I, I don't feel like that the damage there should be this looks like a lot of ten seven excuse me, a lot of ten eights that we've seen. Like good ten eight. It just looks like yeah, those. I think I that that's what it is. So I, as much as I like to see it, and I hey, kudos to Chris Lee for pulling the card at least. I think that might be the first time he's done it, to my knowledge. I just don't think that that was warranted here, unfortunately. And he, by the way, I don't think I mentioned it when we were talking about that round, but he was also the the ten eight the previous round. So it's almost like he was just like, yeah, let's just let's just push it. Let's just push it real good. We're gonna push it. He was feeling whatever Ilya Toporia <laughs> was doing on Saturday afternoon in Florida. He was all about it. He thought it was good. And this was home field for Chris Lee, by the way, Florida, Florida. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just I don't I don't see it, unfortunately. I love, I want it to be, I, yeah, I'm sitting there, I would like it to be, I just, I didn't see it, so, I think, I think we'll have to kind of be mindful of the fact that at least they're pulling the card, but maybe figure out when the right time is still, you know? Hmm. How do you know? It's, who it's who thinks of it in the moment? Not, who thinks of it in the moment yeah. is the thing. Very few people really have thought about it in the moment. It's, it's not pulled often. The funny thing is, though, is that Josh Emmett, if I'm not mistaken, is the first fighter in mixed martial arts history to have been on both sides of a 10-7 round. Wow. Yes. Hey, making the record books, Josh. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really have any much more to say about this. I mean, we could beat a dead horse, wild, but I think we've kind of got it. Wild to see. Wish you'd, wish you'd be more warranted. Right. That's, yeah. yeah. But that's about what I thought. In the end, it didn't change anything. No, it really doesn't. So, I mean, that's the thing about it. Oftentimes, when you see the seven pulled, it's not going to greatly influence the winner of the round of the fight anyway. It gets stopped, or it's already a beatdown, and it doesn't make a difference. But like, you just want to see it mm-hmm. applied correctly. And we are still at the point, by the way, that, to my knowledge, we have never had judges agree on a 10-7 round in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's, only just, it's always been the, the out card was a seven, so. Maybe one day we'll get that. Be wild the day we get Hopefully a seven, that eight, man or woman is okay by the end of it. <laughs> be wild the day we get a seven, eight, and a nine on the same round. Let's hope not. That would be that would, that would be wild. I, I think I think our heads would explode. <laughs> I don't think we can handle that. Texas, do your thing. <laughs> but anyway, so the the majority scorecards which we had uh, in those cases were by judges D'Amato and Cologne in rounds three and four. But that's about it from this fight. There's really not much more to say. And, you know, we could maybe just talk about the idea that, hey, they kept that, that fight going after they checked his eye and looked like it kind of didn't work anymore before round five. 
That was a little weird to let that go. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to get to it, but they almost the doctor seemed like he wanted to let another fight go. Yes, we so. we will definitely get to that later, but that was <laughs> that was another observation I had. We we can save that for later, I guess. Yeah. Let's let's move on to our our next set of contested rounds. And this was much earlier in the card, but I wanted to move it up here because it was a it was a two-round split decision. We had two rounds that were split off, right? Jack Jenkins gets the win over Jamal Emmers. 29-28 twice for him, and then a 30-27 the other way for Emmers. We've got rounds one and two to talk about, so let's start with one. Well, I, I want to say, with this fight, I was I was tweeting with Spencer, Spencer Kite. Ah. And I said, and I was like, brace yourself for everyone calling this a close fight during, and then a robbery after. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and he, he made mention of that as well. It's like, yeah, stop happens. flying off the handle. And I, I was kind of surprised it, it wasn't, wasn't what I was expecting, but I was... Making sure we were prepared for that. That is absolutely true. That happens all the time, man. <laughs> you sit there like, oh, this, this is close. And then they just go ballistic because they forgot what happened five minutes ago. Yeah, so round one uh, was a really close round. Emmers was landing good to the body and to the head. Jenkins landed a couple strong leg kicks, good body kicks, one upstairs to the head. A very competitive round. I think Emmers was a bit more effective, a bit more volume. Very close round. I scored for Emmers 10-9. I also had it for Emmers. I... I... Again, this is a close round for sure, but I think uh, the volume really did it for me here. I think it was enough to overcome the kicks. Yeah. I mean, those kicks were good. He started the, he, the first cup, and he's like, Emmers was like, oh, those are those are strong there. I think he was able to climb yeah. back into it for, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't like he like totally had taken control, command right. and lead of that round either. Right. So, yeah, I, I thought Emmers was doing pretty well there. Not that you couldn't see it the other way like we see here. Mm-hmm. So. Close round. I saw it like you. We saw it like uh, Troy Winkapaw, who saw it opposite of Chris Lee and Sal D'Amato. So what does that mean for Judge Winkapaw? Couch side over. <laughs> I'm going to set that one down with the alligators. <laughs> there, I, I, have a, I have a messenger alligator. More reliable than the post office. Okay. I hope. I hope. All right. You might eat it, though. I don't know. <laughs> um, We'll see. <laughs> round two. I thought this was a very close round. Uh, Early Jenkins uh, continues with the strong leg kicks. Good combos. Left hand upstairs seems to be, you know, where it's at for him. Uh, as the round goes on, Emmer starts to pull ahead with his boxing combos. Good to the head, good to the body. Really close. Uh, Jenkins does find the back late, but he shucked off so fast. Emmer's ends up on top. Uh, that whole ground sequence lasted about 20 seconds. It wasn't uh, heavily uh, weighed in, but uh, 10-9 Emmer's for me. I think for me... I saw it the other way. I saw it for Jenkins. For me, I thought that the leg kicks actually were a little bit more meaningful in the context of the action of the round here than they were in the first round. Like, not by much either, you know? But that was what basically swayed it for me, was the kicks in this round. I thought were just a little bit better, too. A little bit more, a little better reactions, clearly getting, uh, diminishing his opponent. Fair. I felt. Um, So, yeah, I saw it. I did not see it the same way as you. I was with Judges Lee and D'Amato. You stuck with... Judge Winkapaw, who does not get a second counterside override. Um, but, you know, as, as the way we scored it, we actually ended up scoring the fight. Cause, you know, we deferred to the judges on round three. We ended up scoring the fight for Emmers. Close, though. This is not by any means a robbery. It's just one of those, man. I think close yeah, fight. it's one of those fights. Where, I mean, outside of round three, the other two can kind of go either way. Yeah. So. I think so. Um, but, yeah. That's the way it is. We got one couch side override, though, out of the way. There, there you go. go. Let's move on to a fight that I think we both, well, I know we both thought we were going to talk about, and we ended up talking about it. Joshua <laughs> Van getting the win over Zagazuma Gulov. Split decision. Shocker. 29-28s all around. 
Uh, round three is our deciding round here. So what happened? Close round. Uh, Zumagulov's landing a couple decent shots. He's in and out. But but it's Van who has the heavier impact, more volume. It's close. Uh, the jab in the right hand from Van is the story of this round and really the story of the entire fight. I think it's his round 10-9. Do you think that the Patty Pimlet haircut that he went with uh, did anything to make it easier to see when he's hit? They mentioned it, but yeah, it does make it easier when his head, you know, his hair is whipping around. But whatever. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that big of an issue. I know. So. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> I saw it the same way you did. I saw it for Van uh, here. It was judges Eric Colon and Sal D'Amato who also saw it that way. So we were in the majority with the traveling judges. It was local judge Barry Luxembourg who saw this for Zuma Gulov. Close enough, Dan? Close enough? Yeah, it was, it was, it was close enough. It was close enough. But, I mean, at this point, we really are able to predict that Zhagas Zumagulov is going to be one of the. We should. We got to keep the streak going. We actually have to. I. I don't think I made a pick of which fight we're definitely going to be talking about this weekend, but we might have to do that when we get to previewing uh, this weekend. I mean, well, this this weekend's so terrible. I know. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> it might not be worth your uh, your effort. Everything's worth my effort. Oh, okay. Maximum effort, my friend. <laughs> we got listeners. I I owe it to the listeners. Oh. I do it for you, dear listener. Next week's going to be a late episode, anyway, later in the week. That's true. Yeah, so. we was going to say it at the end, but we are going to be delayed a few days. Uh, Dan is in Vegas, not at the fights. I'll be at the World Series of Poker, though. That's not the fights. Fighting on the felt. Dragon pots. Hopefully winning a bracelet. What does dragon pots mean? It means you're dragging the pot. Oh. I want to wear out from the center of the table to in front of me. I want to wear out the felt there. Just keep dragging pots after pots after pots. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to do. I learned something new. I'm not a mm-hmm. poker guy. It's all right. Go for that Royal Flush. I, I recommend you play it. I'll take any hand that wins. That one should win. It doesn't have to be a Royal. But it would win. It would win. Yeah. Nah. All right. <laughs> go, go for the go-go plot every time. I guess. Yeah. You, know, pl- you also don't want to cripple the deck. Royal Flush, I might not win no money with it. It might just be a small pop because I cripple the deck. Poker reminds me of baseball in that sense where you can have like a slap you know, bloop that just kind of drops in. It's like, well, that's a crappy hit, but then you could hit it, you know, 110 miles mm-hmm. an hour and it could get caught at the warning track. That's, yeah, that that would be uh, losing to a one outer on the river. I believe you on that one. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's move on, though. Let's get back to fights. We've got some more rounds to do. We're only halfway through. Although we're going to knock out a good chunk of them here. Yeah, it's a good fight. <laughs> Neil, it wasn't a good fight. It was. No. A, it's a good fight to talk about. I guess. Yeah. Don't lie about this. This is a bad fight. It's actually not a good fight to talk about. <laughs> Neil Magny <laughs> against Phil Bro. Split decision. Uh, almost like a mirror match. These guys are are in in build, in size, uh, in the way they kind of fought too in this fight. A mirror match here. Twenty nine, twenty eight's all around. But every single round is uh, a split round here. You know where we got to start. Yeah. Round, round one. one. Listen, before I get into this, 30-27 both ways is a fair score. Yes. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. The voice of reason, uh, Adam Martin, said that on the, on the No, broadcast. don't give him any. <laughs> no, knock it off. Anyway, a grind em out fight against the fence pretty much is the summary of this entire fight. Uh, they spend a ton of time there. Magny's landing some knees and punches in the clinch. Rose did some decent work in the clinch. At distance, Rowe landed a couple solid right hands. You know, Magny has a nice flurry. I favor Magny, 10-9. Can I? You described that one way. I'm going to describe it a different way. Okay. This is the way I described it to my wife, who was in the other room getting ready. I said, "You know what happens when my youngest son goes up to our oldest son and gives him a hug and like spins him around? Mm-hmm. It was like watching that for three and a half minutes, except against the cage. 
because yeah. nothing <laughs> happened for like a good long time in this round. What yeah. a terrible round. Uh, but yes, there there are some. There's a little bit of offense to evaluate here. There's some scoreable offense. Not a whole lot. Not much. I ended up siding with Roe. I thought his was just a little bit more effective overall. He, he had he had a very little bit before they started clinching for, for half the round mm. or more than half the round. And then he had. I thought he just had a little bit more effect overall. But man, there's not enough here to go crazy, right? No, not at all. Not I mean, even a little bit. This is on the fighters. You had this for Magni? Yeah. I had it for Roe. Whatever. I saw. I was in the majority. To just for clarity's sake here, uh, judges Chris Lee and Satamato saw it my way. You uh, were on board with. You love these local judges, man. You and Barry Luxemburg twice so far. That's your guy. Yeah. Maybe what you should send. Is, we don't have a mini cow side override, but maybe you could just send him like a. I don't know, like a postcard. Okay. From Jersey. All right. Yeah, that he won't get. <laughs> Because the mail service sucks, not because we don't send them. Has nothing to do with that. That's not true at all. We don't. That's not true. <laughs> it's a misnomer. Don't let anyone tell you different. Round two. Round two. Early, early row is able to get the backstanding. Nothing really is happening, though. Magni's able to escape, and then they clinch against the cage. Uh, land some knees. At distance, Magni lands a couple decent shots and ends the round with knees in the clinch. I think the knees uh, at the end will push it over for me to Magni. So 10-9 him. Yeah, that was it for me too. The knees really tipped it over again. Not a not a big round necessarily, but the, those those were those are good. Yeah, yeah. You could still there's still not enough out offense that I would go crazy for it, but going one or the other. Um, but I, I I was comfortable in my score for Magni here. So we saw it the same as judges Luxembourg and D'Amato. Chris Lee was off on his own here, but yeah, it's, no one should get worked up about no. this as we've said before. Round three, another really close round spent mostly. Uh, in the clinch against the cage, I think Magni wins the round, but it, it, it's so close, and you know no one separates himself from the other guy. It's super tough to judge, razor thin. I think Magni won it uh, based on his clinch striking. I feel like yeah, the, the the overall fight felt like a Magni win, which is nice that I ended up giving enough rounds for Magni to win. You you gave all the rounds. Mm-hmm. I I gave two out of three because I also saw this one for Magni, uh, just like judges Lee and D'Amato did. It was Luxembourg who was on his own. Seeing this one for Roe, he was the outjudge on two of these three rounds here. But yeah, if, if Roe had gotten the win, you can't sit there and be dissatisfied. But I do feel like the right person probably still got the win overall. I don't know. I don't know if there's a right winner here. Uh, well, technically nobody I won except like... he gets he gets a winner's check. He might sure. he gets a winner's check. That's sure. good. All right, that's a lot of money. <laughs> He's been around a while. I bet you his 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 uh, win show money ends up being pretty good. Well, it's a shame that it still has to win to get it. So, well, that is crap. But that's a conversation for another day, and we're sure. on the we're on the scoring today. We got enough scoring we can talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't need to, mm-hmm. we don't need to reach for straws to get more conversation in here, right? Uh, <laughs> that is it for the split decisions, though. We still again have some three more rounds to get to. Two of which came a unanimous decision victory by Tabitha Ricci, the Baby Shark, getting the win over Jillian Robertson. 29-28 twice, and a 30-27. So we got rounds one and two. Start at the top. Co- competitive round, but, you know, Ricci countered well. Got a couple takedowns where she landed a shot or two before then she let Jillian back up uh, when she started, you know, establishing her grips from bottom. It's kind of close. I think Jillian did did decent on the feet, just not better. Uh, so I like it for Ricci here at 10-9. Robertson's okay on the feet, but, yeah, it's not her world, and I think it showed. Mm-hmm. I. I do feel like it's not it's not like so crystal clear. Here's I, th- I, I, I'm almost like it's a close but clear for for Ricci here. 
I don't think it's quite gets there, but I'm close, man. I, okay. I'm really close on it. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll give Luxembourg this. It's, I don't think it's the worst thing. So, but I'm so close to being like I don't know. Here's the thing: when they land, there's not a big reaction coming from it. Sure, sure. It's the impact isn't that visible. There's like one punch that gets through for Robertson. I want to say it's like midway through the round. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? Not really. Oh, <laughs> this particular one. Was kind of the one that I was like, all right, at least she had something in there. That's not mm. bad, you know. It's not enough to for me to have gone that way, but you know, I don't know. it's a close enough round. But like you said, there's not a whole lot of there's not a lot of you know seven power being landed here. You know, seven out mm-hmm. of ten power shots. It's more like a like four, maybe five, the most kind of thing. And it's not it's not like Ricci's shots are changing Robertson's course. Not like necessarily, she's, but she's not winning either. In no, my opinion, no, she's she's getting punched in the face. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like I'm saying, it's not obvious that she's, you know, hurt by these things. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, Luxembourg was on his own. Judges D'Amato and Lee had it the same way we did. Round two, though. Yeah, it's another close round, and it's because of what I said. You know, strawweight's immediate impact is very low, and it's it's tough to, you know, to decipher. Often. Yeah. I think Ricci landed good combos early and throughout, but Robertson started to find a home later in the round, busted up the nose of Ricci a bit, and this is where you finally do see some... You know, effect coming from it. Sure. Uh, it's a close round, but I th- do think Ricci was better. 10-9. Yeah, I do too. This this is a little bit closer. It's a little easier to see the, the counter argument. But yeah, I still feel like this was Ricci's uh, fight in this round as well. So yeah, not the worst. Judge Dubato was uh, was the lone judge this time. He's the out judge. Not crazy. No, not crazy at all. Especially if the last one wasn't crazy, this definitely isn't. <laughs> this is much closer. Uh, so yeah, we, we saw it with uh, Judge Lee and Luxembourg mm-hmm. in this case. But... The right woman won here, of course. Like I said, Tapa de Ricci, I think, was the winner. The baby shark continues on. Baby shark. No, we don't want to get sued. Uh, (laughs) Cedricus Dumas getting the uh, victory in our final round here over Cody Brundage. It's opened up the fights, too, for the day, which was a lot of decisions. Uh, 30-27 twice and a 29-28. We're only talking about round three, an inconsequential round uh, at the end of the day. So what happened? Though? No one saw this one coming, this this performance from Dumas. Anyway, uh, Cody Brundage lands a nice right early, dives on a takedown, gets it, locks up a decent arm in guillotine, but, you know, Dumas slips out and he's on top and guard. Nothing much happens here. Dumas rides out the round on top. Uh, Brundage was looking for an arm bar. Wasn't close. Few strikes from bottom. It's not really a lot of effective offense from both sides, but I think Brundage had more. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it really didn't matter, but 10-9 Brundage. I felt like there was a little bit more of the uh, the effort to do something with the grappling, and that helped a little bit. Mm. You know, there, he sort of went for the, the guillotine that he likes to go for. It didn't really, it wasn't really. He went bad. for it 30 times in this fight. Well, he goes for it 30 <laughs> times in every fight. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. It's Cody Brundage. But yeah, I, I, th- I think you can make a better case for Brundage here, but not a distinctly better one, you know? Okay. So I, I, I sided with you. I saw it the same way as you for Brundage. All right. Eric Cologne was the lone judge here. Uh, it was Troy Winkapaw and Derek Cleary who saw it for Dumas. But, you know, again, we're talking about an inconsequential round. Didn't matter who won this. Everybody had him up two rounds to none, Dumas. Nonetheless, we saw it for Eric Cologne. So what does that mean for Eric Cologne? Couch side over. <laughs> I mean, I could probably drive down to South Jersey yeah, and, like, figure out. Where his gym is or something like that. And and, and yeah, just drop it off. But realistically, I'm going to give the post office another chance. I want to see if they can get it done. It's it's in state. Let's see if they can get it. 
And that is it for the uh, contested rounds for our show. Kind of got through those quick. We did. We did. I mean, how much more can you really say? We, we didn't have like great beef with anything. Yeah. Other than maybe the seven, but you know that's it. That's the funny thing about the sevens. We're so excited about it, but it's kind. Mm-hmm. We kind of just shot it down and was like, well, what else are we gonna say? <laughs> Neither one of us felt very strongly about the counter argument, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but it's. It, it's still exciting to to hear a ten seven yeah. be put out there again. Just the idea that it can still happen is <laughs> it's kind of nice. Kind of just it's a just, reminder. Just a reminder. Hey, this score exists. It does. It does. You can use it. How about we figure out a way to write it so that it can be used in a round like that? That would be great. Mm. Maybe the rules and rights committee will look into that. I can always pray. <laughs> But that was it for the contestant rounds. Like I said, there is, uh, we alluded to this before, there was a little bit of adventures in officiating from this card because one of the ABC aired fights, the heavyweight fight, Justin Tava against Austin Lane, was ruled a no contest after, what was it, two minutes into the fight, roughly? Taffa, no, 29 seconds. 29 seconds, it was even quicker. 29 yeah. seconds, fight was over. Yeah. Justin Taffa takes a disgusting poke to the eye from Austin Lane. And he has big hands. Huge hands. So his fingers are... Which bloodied the heck up out of Justin Taffa's eye. It was leaking blood. And you got referee Dan Mergliata, who's the only human... Well, that's not true. Mark Mark, uh, Mark Goddard was in town, too. He could have done this. But we had Dan Mergliata in this one. And he was like, oh, yeah, maybe we can get a, get a towel to wipe off the blood from his eye. And it was like, as the doctor's like trying to check him out, I'm like, that's that's not a good sign, Dan Dan. It didn't... It seemed like the ref and and Big Dan wanted to give the full five the minutes... Doctor. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The doctor and Big Dan wanted to give the full five minutes for a call on it. Regardless, which is fine. I you but, respect the process. I, I but Taffa saying it's getting worse. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think it gets worse before it gets better. No, no. I would say it's, it's probably at that point. It's like, yeah, we got to call it. It's like, let's. I mean, it's bleeding. It's bad. He can't see. It's just just call that. Yeah. That was. I mean, obviously, we did end up in the right position, and you know, there. I think there was talk like, oh, maybe this should be a DQ. Taffa no, thinks so. that's not the way it works. Sorry. Taffa, Taffa I'm sure sorry, so. Justin Taffa. That is unfortunate for you. That's a no contest. That's You don't get a win for that. It's just the way where he didn't mean to poke him in the eye. as incidental contact. I can't, I can't I know, make a but, case for it. But we would take a point from, say, the five star. You'd have to take a point. You take two points from it. That's fine. Yeah, so why, why is two points good enough punishment, but a DQ is too far? Because I think this is completely incidental. It's one of those things that we mm-hmm. see in every single fight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel very okay with this being a no contest here. Well, that's what it would be. But, I mean, I, yeah. I wonder if it would you change it. Like, can you can you change it to any foul that you do, accidental or not? If it ends the fight, you lose because you caused it. I don't know. Maybe. I th- I mean, technically, it's up to the referee. The referee can kind of do as he pleases. But if, his, they, he if, they, but if they wrote wrote it as that, uh huh. any foul that ends a fight, you lose. Well... That would hopefully give people some pause, but most people don't read the rules, so maybe they wouldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen to the rules. I don't know. I'm very okay with the rules being the way they are, actually, and, right. and for this to be a, a no concept. It, it sucks. This is really crappy, and this is another situation where it's like, well, this is where wind show really sucks. Yeah, there's no there's no need for a wind show anymore. What, what are the managers doing here? <laughs> would be nice if the managers were able to get that going, but I don't think they have a lot of traction. They don't have a lot of say. Like we're not taking a win show. That's it. Pay me a flat rate. But that's the problem is the UFC says, okay, see you later. We got other guys. Fair. You go go paid elsewhere. Until yeah, you some start people do. do. Until some you start, people did. Until you start doing it, realizing they're not the only show in town. Ryan Bader left to be. take a so. exactly this type of deal with Bellator. He wanted the flat fees. And that's mm-hmm. why he's with Bellator. Yeah. All right. 
it, but it doesn't change anything. It's just a couple people doing what they want for them, so which is great for them, you know. But it's not it's not working toward changing anything, and it's not going not anytime soon, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but then again, this did kind of harken back to, like we said before, the doctor seemed very willing to kind of just let things go as long as humanly possible, right? With with uh, especially yeah. with regard to Josh Emmett's eye, allowing that fight to continue into round five when it was just totally destroyed. Yeah, his eye was messed. There's up. no way he could see through that eye. We've seen fights get stopped for that. Oh, yeah. Randy Couture, Vitor Belfort was a similar situation. I was a little very, different. Very that, early in the fight, though. That was different because it was the eyelid got cut. No. Yeah. That was a totally different thing. But, like, oh, fi- fighters' eyes close on them all the time, right? Yeah, Josh Emmett Or did. almost. Yeah, exactly, but he kept going. Uh, <laughs> we, It's like in, it's it's inconsistent, right? But if he can't see through that eye, you can't let him go out. If he can... I guess you kind of have to, right? I wonder if any fight's like, I can see out of the other eye. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that doesn't work. <laughs> then again, Michael Bisking, Mike Bisking did fight uh, for a little while with just one eye, didn't he? <laughs> what would he have done if he got poked in the other eye during a fight? And they're like, and he's like, I literally can't see anything. That would that would be uh, Mike Bisping uh, that would have fighting ex- blind. That would have exposed some absolutely monster issues with the commissions that we kind of only found out about later and kind of didn't become a big thing because he more or less was playing them. I guess. But also, feels like maybe the commission standards should, if they haven't already, get a little more stringent for vision. I mean, if, it, if a eye doctor signs off on it, I think that's all they need. Just do an eye test real quick. Hey, how many fingers I got right here? <laughs> well, you know what? I would never know the answer to that because I'm not allowed to fight with contacts, and mm-hmm. I'd I'd just I'd everything just be a blur in front of me. Sure. So I would I wouldn't know anyway. That would kind of be interesting. What if they let you do it with your glasses on? Glasses don't help my eyes. I'd have to put my contacts in, mm. and then I'll put your thing up. It's a it's a like a the way my contacts work is like a four four or five minute process to get them in. Is they like are, a, is they're there like not, a robot they're, involved? They're or? not. They're not regular contacts. Okay. I got to use a plunger. I got to. It's it's a it's a process. Like from the toilet. Similar, yeah, but much smaller. A little cleaner, maybe. Yeah. Okay. That's good. All right. That's good. We can move on. <laughs> we can move years. on. Absolutely. We're we're done with the eye care and everything like that because we do have a little bit of PFL we're going to talk about. Not the contested rounds. We're we're skipping them. There were six, like I said. Um, you want to know? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I could share them one day, maybe. I, I have all the cards. But anyway, we do have a 10-7 watch round here. And this the 10-7 watch, of course, we actually had something for the actual 10-7 watch because we found one. Well, we found one that was identified as one that we evaluated. But we have a unanimous 10-8 here over at PFL. So let's do what we do with these unanimous 10-8s and figure out, was round three of Shane Burgos' 30-26 unanimous all three cards victory over Yamot. Yamato Nishikawa, was this a 10-7? Should one of Will Fisher, John Rigliano, or Monica Ridgway have pulled that trigger? No, I don't think any of them should have pulled the 8 either. <laughs> uh, there's not a strong case to make for an 8, so obviously 7 is not even in the realm. Uh, it's one-way traffic, no doubt. Burgess doesn't do big damage. It's an easy 10-8 and he, a half. He, I don't even think it's that. No, I don't stop. even think it's that. He's he's in guard the whole time, staying very active, but there's no dominance. There's no... I mean, the damage is okay, I guess. I think the damage is fine. But I, I think you've got enough for the eight and You half. just have a good nine. There, I, I, I wouldn't even... I don't think I go... In our CSJ, I don't even think I go eight. It's... I think this is just... A, only way to score is a nine. No, I see a CSJ eight. Oh, that's... I do. No way. This is just not that good No, I'd on this one. 
He's not even doing it. He's Look, not trying fe- to finish I already the threatened fight. to fight my brother-in-law today. He's, Don't make me fight rounds of fight you too. He's not even trying to finish this fight. He's like, not. He, you're you're right. He is not trying not to finish trying this to fight. He's not trying to pass the guard. He's he not trying to advance. And he ostensibly needs to finish this fight like, to get into the playoffs too, which we'll get to in just a moment. This is just a solid nine. And then, uh, and to go further, mm-hmm. I don't know if does PFL provide screens. I don't believe they do. Okay. I I can't answer Be- that with one hundred percent certainty though. Because if they did, and the judge had to use a screen, and it goes to the ghost cam, which is the worst view of the uh, of any How broadcast. Dare possible, you? It is from across the cage, behind the fighters. You can't see what's landing. Imagine a judge has he has this normal view. He has to deal with regularly. He looks to his screen because he wants to see what's going on, and he has the same exact view. Ghost cam is garbage. I can see the cage. I can see the gauge, people. Do you think any right. of the camera operators of the ghost cam are named Casper? Um, that'd be pretty funny. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it. This is absolutely not the strongest of eights. I it's not an eight. feel like I'm with you, too. I'd probably lean to the nine than the eight. But I, prefer I, the... I do feel like this is a CSJA. That, that's where I would push back on you. I prefer the seven in round four of Emmett and Taporia than the eight in this fight. I think this is a week eight. Week, mm. week, week. Well, I mean, it'd be more fun to get the seven, obviously. But... Very week eight. And I'm, so I'm actually shocked it's unanimous. This must be just the way these judges in Georgia interpret an eight to be. Like if it's okay, if there's the, no other way to score the round, people, you go right? eight, I guess. I don't know. Like that week, you... I don't like this as an eight at all. All right. Fair enough. A man has spoken. Dan Urban knows what he feels on this one. But we now have a really weird situation that came out of PFL, and I think this is way more interesting than the debate we have over this eight, this uh, being an eight or, or a nine or a seven or what have you. After the event finished, in which Shane Burgos picked up three points, his first three points of the PFL season, which was not enough to qualify for the top four and reach the semifinals of the PFL regular season at lightweight, later on... Or maybe it was early morning Saturday. I I woke up to find out the news, basically. I, it wasn't this when I was up, and then I woke up, and it was that. Natan Schultz, former two-time champion, was originally in because he got a win over his friend, very close friend. One of them is the godfather of the other's child. Do you remember which one it was? I can't remember. I don't know, even though he had children, but I knew he was Surprise. the godfather. One of the, yeah. Well, there's there has to be a child involved. I guess, yeah. yeah that's how that works. Uh, but, yeah, he got the win over that, over his buddy, Manfio, who was also a former champion. PFL later suspends both of them, both Schultz and Manfio, uh, because in their assessment, they did not meet the contractual standard to use their, quote, best efforts, ellipses, uh, skills and abilities as a professional athlete to compete ellipses and defeat any opponent, end quote. So now Shane Burgos is in. Um, I have a lot of thoughts, but I want to know what your thoughts are first. PFL is stupid. <laughs> okay. You know they're friends. You know their history. You have plenty of options. There's no reason. And it's not like you don't make the, make you know matchups how you want them to be anyway. These two should have never be matched up in the regular season. And, and that's that. It's on them. They knew that this was going to happen if they did it. It's on them. It's hard to ask, not just a training partner, like a good family friend to hit another good family friend. Yeah, this wasn't Scott and his brother-in-law. That's true. We're not even blood. <laughs> I'll spill his blood. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just in case my kids ever listen to this. No, I'm not going to beat up Uncle Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just tap him out. It'll be easy. But <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's 
it's galling to me that they would decide that this was the matchup they wanted to make. And then when it played out the way it did, which granted, not an entertaining fight at all. It was kind of being joked about during the fight as a, as a glorified sparring match, right, at ATT. It's not like they came from shoot the box. And then we probably would have had a good fight between Think, two training partners. Things are very different in modern MMA training, you know, and these are these are friends, like I said. I think it it is kind of a, you know, they tempted fate with this one, PFL's uh, matchmakers. I don't know if that's Ray Sefo or if there's a team involved that, that kind of comes up with that. But yeah, shame on them. They should be trying to put together fights that are entertaining. This, I think, was always going to fall short of that. But beyond that, I don't know how you feel, Dan, but this to me... And a lot of people at home, it sure looks like what they were trying to do was figure out a way to get Shane Burgos into the PFL playoffs. And I don't think that's anything Shane had to do with. I think he just did what he did as a fighter. And then looks like on the surface that PFL said, well, this wasn't a great fight. This is terrible. We we'd do better with Shane Burgos in there. Let's just put, let's just find a way to get him in. Yeah, I mean, right. They had, you know, Anthony Pettis fell short. Maybe they were like, oh, we can't have that happen again. We just got this, you know, pretty big name from the UFC. He already lost his first fight. Be better if he's in the playoffs. I can't even say that they definitely tried to do that. Like, I really don't want to go as far as to accuse it, but there is no way it doesn't look that way on the surface. And if they didn't realize that, then they didn't think it through. But also, the fight that did happen was terrible. Obviously, neither guy was trying to punch the other guy in the face. I think one guy landed 13 punches. The other guy landed 14. And they had a grappling match. It was small glove sparring. Schultz was dominating the grappling. Took him down, went to the back. And, and the ref is like, come on, fight. And he stood him up like once or twice or something. It, it's PFL brought this situation on themselves. So they, they, they should really look at themselves and be like, oh, we messed up here. Um, we put two guys who are, are very close in a fist fight against each other. We messed up and we just kind of got to deal with the consequences. But they and, didn't do that. And the other part of it is, uh, unless there is some sort of accusation that they were colluding, that they were, that, you know, Manfield was throwing the fight so that the other could go on or something like that. Like, this is a legitimate fight. And I've seen plenty just as boring fights happen in PFL before. This isn't, this doesn't stick out like a sore thumb, realistically. Um, you know they weren't fighting it, because there's plenty of times Schultz could have pounded the face sure. of Manfield and he didn't. I'm just saying, so, I've I've watched enough uh, women's featherweight and lightweight fights in PFL to know that a lot of them don't have a whole lot of entertainment value either. <laughs> this is not necessarily outside of the ordinary here. But I'm going to read to you a, a selection from the PFL rules that uh, actually it was uh, Eric McGracken who found this in there. It's it's available document. Uh, effective as of April 14, 2023. Under the appeals process during the P- the regular season, the PFL bases its points awarded on commission ruling. If a fighter wishes to appeal a commission ruling during the regular season, they must do so within three business days of the fight in question. The PFL will honor any subsequent change made by the commission as long as the commission comes to an official decision on the appeal within 30 days of the fight in question. Any decision not made within these parameters will not have any bearing on points, official uh, standings, or playoff participation. Now, this isn't necessarily exceptionally analogous. To, it's not like one-to-one, but it sure looks like what they're saying here is whatever the commission says is what we're going to honor. And unless the commission overturns the result of this fight, they should honor that, and they should go with the three points that Natan Schultz had picked up, and he should move on. 
That's how I see this. I that may not be the exact thing. That's like a smoking gun kind of thing here, but it looks relevant to me at least. I don't know how you feel, but yeah, it's on PFL. PFL is what they're doing. They're just they're refusing to take blame for this happening. So that it's on them. They should they should reap what they sow. Their whole structure is a, is a meritocracy. You know, that's what it is. If he won the fight, he's supposed to go on. It does. There's. Maybe there's in their contract that that kind of the 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 thing they were talking about with uh you know best efforts you know skills and abilities of a professional athlete to compete and defeat any opponent. I mean, he certainly tried in the grappling. I think he tried. He beat him up. He didn't beat him up. He beat him with the le- in the least violent way possible. He, and he did it. I mean, who's to say? How can he le- <laughs> legally speaking? Because at some point, lawyers mm-hmm. are going to get involved in this type of stuff, right? Um, legally speaking. How can they argue he didn't put his best effort forth? What if he's hurt? What if he can't throw a punch and he's got to grapple? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why a fight can happen this way. I'm not saying that is what happened, but his lawyers could certainly make this argument if they wanted to or make a billion arguments and they're going to end up costing themselves. And the unfortunate thing is, too, because PFL came off not just one, but I I think their kind of their whole second leg here might have been the best momentum as far as in-cage action that PFL has had, like, ever. Ever. I think these whole three fights, three events, including this week, this Friday, was a total success. The fights were great. There were some great knockouts, great finishes, great drama. And then they it's like a total unforced error to say, well, we're not going to put Natan Schultz in there now because we didn't like the way he fought. It's it's just it seems like a really bad decision because now there's this negative attached to something that should be a positive. Two wins and the guy with the losses and yeah yeah it's goofy kind of stupid. And now they're both suspended. It's like ostensibly they're not even going to be let go. Like why would you want to compete for these people anymore? You know oh, if yeah, you don't just, like the way they fight, yeah, let them go somewhere else. Let yeah. Natanshel go to the UFC should've, or Bellator. Should never been matched up to begin with. No. I mean, they made their millions off of PFL. Let them go do something else. They don't need the millions anymore. They can do something else if they want to. I mean, who, well, it's another million, but they're not eligible for it, so who cares? Let yeah. them go. And it's unfortunate, too, because Shane Burgos is a solid fighter, and unfortunately, he didn't do enough to get into the playoffs without this whole thing happening. And I don't think he deserves to have that hanging over his head and kind of looking like he benefited from someone else kind of meddling or, or messing with it. So I think that also sucks. Mm. I mean, win's a win. If he goes on and wins a million dollars, I think he'll probably get over it. But the fact is, is it just looks it looks it looks hanky, you know. It's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was probably the most passionate thing I had of the weekend. I, I was a little fired up about that one, but I I, I waited. I kind of read about it. I want to you know, stay my cool because I'm now almost two days since I found <laughs> out. So I just don't like it, and I think I think they should not maybe go to that next time they should be a little more cautious but think we can move on let's talk about our favorite finishes at least here because again there were there were eight finishes in pfl seven ko or tko one sub two of the fights end in the first round over at the ufc we had four finishes because there was a billion freaking decisions right uh three ko tko one sub one of the fights ended in round one it was the sub actually what was your favorite macy barber smashing the crap out of amanda hebus and just like LT said, she went out there like a crazed dog. I didn't think you were going to pick wild. this one. It was a good finish. It was a good fight. It was almost Brendan Allen, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fun fight. But no, Macy Barber was just, I'm just going to, I'm going to kill you. She looked really good. I mean, I, I thought he boss would probably be the one if I was to have made a pick, I would have picked her to win. But maybe Macy Barber's, of course, made a lot of strides. I would not have picked her to finish her. Mm. That's not 
necessarily what we've seen from Macy Barber in recent years. So great performance certainly gets her back into that conversation of, uh, you know, maybe getting to the title shot. We shall see. Probably probably sometime within the next year could happen for her, but she's not right there yet. You know what I mean? Knocking knocking on the, the door for the, you know, the, the short list, right? She's a finalist. <laughs> she's a finalist. Sure. Yeah. And yours? So I, I was between a few because, again, PFL really did have some great knockouts, um, including their final two fights of Friday night of the regular season. I went with the penultimate one of them, which was Sadu C just destroyed uh, absolutely slayed Shane Mitchell with a spinning wheel kick in the mm. third round. Did you see this? K O T O Y, uh, K O T Y contender. No, I don't think, think so. so. It was really great. It was really great, <laughs> but like I don't know. It, and it kind of, it's not that it came out of nowhere, but it's not like he was, you know, setting it up in particular in like a combination or like put it there. It was, it was just clean, man. It was uh-huh. just clean, and he got him down, and it was over. I'm glad it was really good. I feel like it probably it almost lacked like enough flair. It was kind oh. of funny. I don't know. I mean, it's great. It's a great kick. It's amazing kick. I I don't know how to. I don't know how you do a spinning wheel kick knockout, clean knockout, and, and me say it didn't have enough flair. But I think that's just side of UC. He doesn't have that personality. He's a little more <laughs> even tempered. You know. Right, yeah. I don't know. But without necessarily a stone cold killer look to him, like uh. You know, like like an Edson Barboza has a little bit more of a killer okay. face, right? I'm thinking of I'm trying to think of guys who did wheel kicks. Right, his was a wheel kick on Terry oh, yeah, Adam. It, it, Is that yeah. the one? Killed him. But that was a, it was a wheel kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought so. But yeah, that was my favorite. I almost picked uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier. Who did you see his? No. Uh, it was it was like a head kick, but it was the knee. Oh, okay. And it just absolutely destroyed. Uh, his name escapes me. His opponent, uh, Anthony Romero, hmm. which. As I'm saying it, Sadu C against Shane Mitchell, Olivier Arban Mercier against Anthony Romero. No offense to their opponents, but certainly looks like they benefited from some friendly matchmaking that maybe didn't go hmm. the way of. Uh, and, and and honestly, Chamber goes too. I I did not think uh, Yamato Nishikawa was necessarily the opponent who's going to give him problems. <laughs> so if it just it looks as soft as it is, it takes a little bit of the the meritocracy out of it, right? But that is it for the weekend. We can look ahead to a really crummy UFC card. I don't think it's as bad as I, it's not good. It's but, like, but I actually like a couple of fights. It's on like, it, I have listen, to admit. we got a card that we have to put on before International Fight Week, which is going to be a crazy busy week for us. Whatever, just get some fighters out here and, and let them fight. Look, they got to meet what forty-two obligations a year to ESPN. This is one of them. Sometimes yeah. it works out that way, right? So we've got another Sean Strickland card headlining against uh, Abus Magomedov, who knew on the scene for the UFC at the very least, but he does have Magomedov in his name, so one has to suspect he is the favorite. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of the way it goes. Possibly. I mean, I, whatever. <laughs> Obviously, a, a win here for Magomedov would jump him right back in, right into the mix of uh, potential title challengers because we are thin at middleweight. It's pretty much Sean Strickland and and whoever beats Sean Strickland. So we'll see. I'm curious to see what how this fight matches up, but it does feel like a little bit of a strange matchup. Weird. Oh, listen, I'll I'll totally be into it. I'll be in Vegas for the weekend. If anyone wants to bring me to the Apex to watch it, I'll I'll be down to watch. Keep your it. afternoon clear. It's uh, um, it's 4 p.m. Eastern uh, time main card or P- P- uh, Pacific time main card. Yeah. So 7 p.m. Eastern. So if I'm at I'm at, if I'm out of my uh, World Series of Poker event, or if you win enough I'll go money, watch and fights. Then, uh, yeah, whatever. 
Maybe they'll pick because it's not probably, a cheap there's ticket. Probably it's no not bad a cheap seat. ticket. There's probably no bad seat in the Apex. There probably isn't, but I think it's extremely expensive. Oh no, no, no! I, I'm only going as a guest. Oh, uh, I won't, I won't, I won't pay to go see this. Oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So if someone wants to bring me, I'm in. Okay. Well, you could, yeah. you know, you could slob on uh, Dana White and see if he'll bring you. Listen, I'll put the charm on. <laughs> I try to, I try to work for the UFC. Are there other fights you want to watch on this card? The co-main. The, co- the co-main should be the main. Okay. And that's it. Other than that, no. Really don't care. I do like the co-main. I, I'm, I've am i always enjoyed Grant Dawson. I think he comes to Fang every time. So, I mean, him against Demir Magulov, who I thought is Magulov retired. I think he had some sort of medical situation after his last fight. But, like, now he's back at, like, a normal cadence. It's very weird. Maybe he got a second medical opinion or something like that. I, I I hadn't gotten the chance to look into it, but no, I mean it's good it's good that his career didn't have to end uh, outside of his control. I guess, yeah, right? Sure. Um, the only other fight that I was interested in, I think you were too, is the fact that Kevin Lee is back in the UFC. I just find it funny. Oh. I, I didn't really care that he's fair enough. I I'm interested to see because he will be fighting at 170. Like, when he, he can't talk fight... all that trash about the company. Well, he got cut. Yeah, and then now he's back because Eagles dead, right? Or something. Yeah. But like they could have also not signed him, yeah, and they suppose. decided to. Um, but he had that. He got a win over uh, Diego Sanchez in the in the middle there. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> super lightweight. He won it super lightweight. Great win over <laughs> over Diego. Hey, look, right. what's his face wasn't in his corner. It wasn't it wasn't that version of Diego? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but he's going against uh, Renat Fakradinov, who I like too. I, I like him a lot actually. Uh, Fakradinov. Mm. Interestingly enough, and and I don't remember who brought this up on Twitter, but I guess a few years ago, Fakhradinov was the champion of uh, one of the like Middle East MMA organizations or the ones based out that way. And he was supposed to have fought uh, a fellow Muslim. And he rather than do that, he put he put the belt aside. He, he really was the belt. He didn't want to fight another Muslim. Well, Kevin Lee converted to Islam a few years ago, so. Let's watch this fight. Maybe maybe this won't happen. Maybe he'll figure out he's Muslim too, and that won't happen. I have no idea. Interesting. Or maybe he'll just be like, eh, I can, I get over it. I don't mind anymore. <laughs> Do you have a pick for the fight that we're most likely to be talking about contested rounds-wise? I mean, I didn't even look into it. Uh... I, I, I'll give you one. I, I feel like there's a decent chance that we're going to be getting uh, Yana Santos and Carol Hosa. Maybe. Probably. Women's featherweight. That feels like it's destined to go. There's not even a champion at women's featherweight anymore, and I'm pretty sure they're killing that division. So I don't know why we're having. It's probably made a women's it, featherweight. It probably made. I guess it might have been. Yeah, and they didn't want to cut to cut to 35, which is fine. I don't want them to cut if it's not comfortable. But also, maybe maybe they should just let anyone who wants to fight at 45 go. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, Benoit Saint Denis and Ishmael Bonfim might be pretty good. I like Bonfim. So. Both of the Bonfim brothers. Right, Ga- Gael is the other one, I think. I don't know. I know there's another one. I don't know his first name. Well, they're they're pretty good. Yeah. Michael so. Michael Morales is also fun. He's going against Max Griffin. There's there are fights on this card that realistically could end up being fun. I I really do. That's think, how they tend to work out these yeah. cards. But but I think you can even see it like on the surface. But it's it doesn't just, even. It's not stacked in any meaningful way whatsoever with like ranked guys. Like one of, one of the highest ranked fights here, I think, is actually the the curtain jerker at heavyweight Alexander Romanov against Blagoy Ivanov. But that fight, if it's not a Romanov like scarf hold in the first three minutes, I feel like we're going to get a really three you know. 15 minute boring heavyweight fight hooray so i can't say i'm looking forward to it <laughs> but yeah just a reminder we will not have a monday show very likely unlikely. Mir- unlikely 
Miracle uh, might change that, but probably not. So, what do you think? Tuesday, Wednesday? I don't get home till Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, geez. So. Well, we'll have to figure that out for you guys. We will get to you uh, later in the week yeah. with, with uh, a contested round. So, stay tuned. Sorry, you don't have to make you wait. Blame Dan. Yeah, blame me. <laughs> But thank you, everybody, uh, for your patience last week and for your patience this coming week. I know things are weird. We're going to get back to smoothness soon. Don't worry. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a great week.